Welcome to Micro College. This week on the podcast, we are honored and thrilled to have as our guest, Dev Carey, who is the director of the High Desert Center in Paonia, Colorado. Dev loves adventure and the kind of learning that changes who we are and how we see the world. Dev earned a PhD in ecology and later discovered that while chasing butterflies made him happy, education made him passionate. He's been sharing adventures with young people ever since. In the late 1990s, he became an advocate for students and families learning outside of the classroom and started the Vision Program, which utilizes public funds to support over 600 students in learning however and wherever they want while still earning a diploma. Dev has worked for Sterling College with inner city youth as a VISTA volunteer, as a counselor at the Not Back to School camp, and as a river guide. He is most fulfilled when working outside of traditional classrooms, mentoring students to figure out how to lead a life full of meaningful, wonderful moments. Thank you for joining us, Dev. Good to be here. Thanks. So here on Micro College, we always start with people's biographies. And so I'd like to ask you to reflect back on your, your young adulthood, back to when you were 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, back in the time some of our students are or in their phase of life. Um, and, and what were you doing during that time period? What was what was forming you as a person? And, and really what what stands out as, as the important experiences from that time in your life? Um I was I was being kind of a typical young clueless male. Um I was into lots of sports. I was trying to please people in school. I was pretty cynical. I spent a lot of time sitting in the back of the classroom looking like I wasn't interested while secretly studying for the test so I could do well. And um, I didn't think too many profound thoughts except that I didn't feel very alive a lot of the time except when I was outside doing stuff. And I was, you know, I was a wrangler on a on a ranch and I was river guiding and I was backpacking and taking bird photographs and poems and those kind of things really mattered to me. All the other stuff, it felt like I was going through the motions trying to get people to, to like me. Um, I didn't really start thinking about education until after college. I actually, I spent a year overseas with a group of people. We got to know each other really well. At the end of that, somebody gave me some feedback that was uh, hard to hear at the time, but I was ready to hear it. And it basically said, Dev, you need to grow a little personally um and so i decided to go into more people oriented fields and try to figure out you know i didn't i was pretty emotionally stupid <laughs> i wasn't aware of what was happening inside of me or outside in that in that way and so i just went on a crash course in that kind of thing i got a job working with inner city kids I was so in over my head working with really hurting street kids, um, you know, and all of a sudden as I was learning about their patterns and, and so forth, thinking, wow, this all applies to me. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so gaining some, you know, self-reflection, I all of a sudden was doing a lot of group therapy with practice psychiatrists. Uh, with like people that were addicted to drugs and so forth and and just got this whole open my eyes to what it means to be alive and human and um 
I still had it in my head that I was going to be a scientist. And so I went to grad school and did all that. But and I, I love that. I want it just still I love to spend my time outside sneaking up on things. And but um, I think that real passion for for growing myself and growing other people and creating a sense of internal freedom and happiness and being able to love the moments became something I cared about and I wasn't very good at it, but it mattered to me. <laughs> and so I just kept plugging away and now, you know, here I am 40 years later. <laughs> Amazing how that happens, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think you know, uh, I encourage everyone listening to this to go to the website of the High Desert Center and 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 really read what's written there, um, including things that you probably, most people don't read, the 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 liability waiver and uh, and, and things like that. Um, I think it's you really you have a strong sense of, of of humor and fun and also just of 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 I think a, a strong intent to to break out some of some of the bureaucratic and and um, you know the the real the rigid boundaries that our society has set up around education. Um, and that comes through in your biography as well. It's interesting to hear that you've worked inside of public school systems and in inner city situations throughout the AmeriCorps. Because um, it seems like what you're, my sense of what you have built there and what you're offering is a is an experience of that is genuinely this authentic in a way that I think a lot of young people are looking for. So how how did you come to have that orientation? You're, you're of towards towards I guess I would say the 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 human and the and the authentic in in an institutional sense. I had the opportunity to meet a lot of really cool people in my life. And, and at one stage, I was meeting a lot of young people who never went to school. I was very networked in the unschooling world. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of time they had skills that where they were thriving in life, but they weren't the traditional skills that we call education. Um, you know, a lot of times they couldn't tell you the, what the Pythagorean theorem was and they couldn't tell you anything about you know, standard things that a lot of people know. But on the other hand, they knew how to connect to you and how to be inspired and and how to self-motivate in the morning. And um, and often, and so through meeting these people, through teaching, um, I spent a lot of time teaching math, which I love. And, you know, math is... Uh, a subject that most six-year-olds like math. And by the time they're 16, most people don't like math and consider themselves bad at it. And you just, you think what what's happening here? We're spending an hour every day getting to the place where you feel bad about yourself in, in math. And, and also I was teaching kids, I taught some kids that never had seen math at all until age 16 and then decided they want to learn it. And by 17, we're getting the top SAT scores in the state or, or something like that. And, yeah. and just realizing this is really not a lot of material, but the, but the obstacle is, is uh, people's internal world, how they're thinking about themselves, that sense of you know, when you get stuck, do you, do you feel bad about yourself and want to quit or do you get curious and excited? And how do some people become one way and 
in some arenas, everybody's that way in some arenas and not that way in other arenas. And, and I started to think these are the skills I'm interested in. I'm interested in these, these skills that don't get titles on your transcript, but there are titles like, um, you know, how to notice and imagine and how to be okay in the world and, um, you know, earn more money than you spend with, while having a good time and feeling like you're contributing to the world and all, all those kind of things. And the young people, that's what they're interested in too. Um, you know, I spent an entire year of my life with a bunch of teenagers and all we were trying to do was master the art of getting in flow. Mm -hmm. uh, just in that moment feeling and we, you know, we started with easy things like playing Frisbee. And then we were like, could we bring this to math? Could we bring this to doing the dishes? Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm very idealistic. I'm not very dogmatic, but I'm, I'm always questioning why are we doing this thing and what really matters the most and just following that thread. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's I really spending the time figuring out how to get into flow that, that really resonates with me uh, having spent most of my time with teenagers too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've also taught a little bit of math. And so I know what you're talking about there, that there's when you can flip the script on, on math for some people, it's, it's a really important day. Um, mm -hmm. Sort of like, Oh, this isn't, I actually isn't, I'm, I'm interested in this or good at this or, you know, cause it is, it's built up for a long time that that math is impossible for some people. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit about about the High Desert Center as it is now. What are you, you what are some of the programs that you do and and uh you know tell us a little bit also about your 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 place there in 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 Colorado, the home base. Okay. Well, um I'll start with the place. I I came here a long time ago with a friend and we got offered the a job on the spot at a startup alternative school. It felt like kind of a fun lark, the one-year commitment, and we we took it, and um, and I got hooked. I got hooked. That I'm in this valley that's full of people that are kind of self-reliant and independent, politically far left or far right, and um, and there were all these people. I had this, you know, lots of education, but. I didn't really know how to do anything practical. And all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who knew how to deliver their own babies and grow carrots in the local mud and uh, fix their cars and um, build their own houses and butcher a chicken and, and be really happy just climbing up the same mountain again and again without having to go to some exotic, faraway, expensive place. And And I thought, wow, this is... I want to learn all this stuff. These these people impress me. They know their place. They're and um, they're part of a community. They're contributing. And these were the parents of the kids I was working with. So I just I kept staying a little while into it. I had a friend that said, "Come, come with me today. I'm looking at land." I wasn't thinking of buying land. I didn't have any money, but we, there was all this land for sale that. It was very, very cheap. And short of the story is a couple of years later, I was part owner of 80 acres and full owner of a house. My total investment had been $4,000. We <laughs> built a house out of 
recycled material that people were throwing away, made a beautiful place. Um, and and that, what a lucky thing, because for the rest of my life, I never had to pay rent. I was free to do things that felt right, even if, you know, you look at my social security statement, it's kind of funny because there's a lot of years where I earned like $3,000 the entire year. <laughs> and, um, but that led to, opened a lot of doors. And um, so anyway, I, I did all kinds of education, was running all different kinds of programs and, um, and just honing more and more in on, I want to teach people, not even teach, I want to co-discover with people how to, how to live the most alive we know, way we can, meaningful way we can. And, and the teenagers that I'm working with, they seem to want the same thing. And so we just naturally started doing things together. And, and sometimes it looked like, sustainability programs and sometimes it looked like trips to mexico and um but eventually we stumbled upon this concept of a gap year and just took all the things that were fun to do that we were already doing and lumped them together and said let's call it a gap year and advertise it and it kind of worked um <laughs> and so for the last eight or nine years we've been running gap years which um you know, so people that between the age of 18 and 23, sometimes they've gone to college, sometimes they've never gone to school. Really, it's not. Sometimes it's a traditional graduated from high school, taking a year off. But it's people that are basically trying to figure out who they want to be in the world and how they want to be in the world. And um, we've just been piecing together what's the best way to learn that how do you how do you make a curriculum of learning how you want to be in the world and um and i can i can get into what we're actually doing that excites me ar around that but uh that's the that's the big story we're about to start another uh this time it's it's really just a gap semester it's a fall semester program i'm starting up here tomorrow Mm -hmm. wow. and people are coming and they're gonna uh they live with us here in colorado uh, on all this property that we own we have got this whole campus that students have built over the years that's turned into quite a sprawling affair of cool funky buildings and things and and we're here meeting people doing interesting challenges and things that stretch us and everything from dancing to meeting strangers and inviting them to dinner to butchering chickens. And then the second part of it, we we've got this old funky school bus that is painted all kinds of colors randomly. And, um, and we tour around the Southwest going to Mexico. It's different every year. Uh, partly because I get bored doing the same thing twice, which is, <laughs> it's not really good for business plans. Um, and partly because a lot of it is driven by the participants and, and I just never know where it's going to go. Yeah. So much of what you're saying is, is very familiar and uh, yeah, really resonates with my own, our own experience here and the sort of things that we're doing. Um, and so how big are your, the groups? They got to fit on a bus, I guess. Yeah. It's a smaller, it's a short bus. Um, sometimes we bring a truck or something too. 
but um, the smaller groups are closer to 10. The bigger ones have been closer to 18 mm -hmm. here between six months and a year. Sometimes people just never leave. There's, there's <laughs> a number of participants that are around that that just keep coming back or moved here or staff now or um, I keep toying with the, trying to figure out how to make it a little more of a community and less of a program and 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 so uh, we had a a program that was four years ago just last week they self-organized a reunion and said can we come and stay there and so there was a bunch of people from uh, here for a week that just showed up and left so it's it's got a lot of action going on yeah <laughs> so it's an important principle right yeah it's i think you know, one of my life goals, which I, I still have not even come close to achieving, but it drives me is this desire to, to be okay. And admit the be, the, be the, the person that can be okay in the midst of chaos and all kinds of things. And, and by okay, I don't necessarily mean happy and denying <laughs> what's going on, but you know, the person that can just be like, Oh, it's a time to cry. Let's all cry together. Um, and and just surrender to that yeah so it sounds like engagement with that community you described in the valley there your your neighbors and your and your local community that is that that's an important dimension of the programs you run it is yeah we've we've got a lot of neighbors who are inspiring folks that have led lifestyles that normally aren't presented as options in everyday life and Young people meet them and you can just see their whole world turns upside down. It's all of a sudden they, you know, they meet somebody who never worked an official job, but contributed so much to the community and Rosa, you know, did all these impressive things. And there, you know, we, we got a neighbor right up the hill who uh, is a master builder and a master artist and a welder and hiked across the country for peace a few times and, um, you know, has, as a clown and a musician and just all these things and, and really just loves his moments in life and, and young people meet him and their jaws drop and, and often end up learning to weld or just hanging out and talking philosophy. Um, and that's, uh you know that's just one example but there's people like that all around so that makes it nice yeah i think that that's that's um was again many many things that 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 are familiar to what you're saying here um our, our local community is, is important context for us our important classroom and uh i also find it to be one of the harder things to explain to people who are not who, who are from the out you know not here yet basically um because mm -hmm. i think you, you look you look at at the website, your website, um, you know, what stands out is, you know, you have this beautiful landscape of, of Colorado there, um, you know, all the wilderness there and, uh, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the natural environment uh, is, is clearly an important part of what you're doing, but the human environment sounds like is also, you know, the, an important piece as well, part of a, part of a regional identity. It's true. It's probably the more important part. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it is hard to talk about because, um, you know, I had a group, we, this happened two years ago, 
we were on the bus, we were in Southern Arizona and we, we went over and met some strangers at a campground and they invited us to a place. And then we met other people who invited us to another place. And, and, uh, we were just ended up doing three weeks of completely unplanned things that were just magical. And it was completely driven mostly by the participants and, and they, they had this excitement that came with realizing that, oh, we're having the adventure of our life and, and having all this connection and meet sense of community. And we're doing it with practically no money um, with random strangers that we're meeting in the street. We're not going to exotic places. We're like working in soup kitchens and things. Um, and I, this is, you could live like this, like this, this is sustainable. It's, it's, and they're like, we met somebody working in one of the soup kitchens and we explained what we were doing. And he said, oh, wow, you are all surfing the kismet road. <laughs> and, and we were like, really? Oh, well, that sounds cool. So we wrote kismet road on our bus. And, and um but we were kind of debriefing it all and they were like you know we signed up for this program because you have things like go that sound exotic like going backpacking and climbing yeah. going to the grand canyon and going to guatemala but really all those things they were cool but that's not what was life-changing. And really we could do those. And we now know that anybody can do those anytime if you just have enough money and you sign up. But what we really wanted to learn was this art of how, a way to live that, that is magical. And, but if we just read this on the website and that's all you had, we wouldn't have come. And I don't know how, how to, to get around that. That's the place we struggle. Yeah, I, boy, that yeah, that's familiar. <laughs> yep, um, I, I think one of the things that that do does come through in in your literature and and just in, the, in what you've been saying here today is you know the way you think about money and about just an, an attitude of, of of thrift and uh, and uh, because I think a lot of these, especially when you start talking about gap year programs, some of them are really really expensive and they they are um, they're really sort of luxury kind of goods I think for for people that are you know. A very small number of people can access them as, as well, and I, I do sense from you there's there's a real strong commitment to to making that to to not have it be that way, um, and and uh, you know there's real personal sacrifices involved with that, and but also a philosophy of 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 what you what you're bringing. So can you talk about that? What is how do you you seem to talk much more explicitly about money than than many many programs in our kind of field in this way. Yeah, I'm not sure we've got the best model because our prices have gone up too lately and I'm almost kind of embarrassed. I mean, they're still like a third the price of a lot of them out there, but there's still a lot for a young person to earn. Yeah. And it really, it's important to me that people, you know, that this is an option for people who are paying their way off $16 an hour at some local, you know, a job for the year before. and. And so, um, but the truth is it, there's a couple things going on. One is that, um, I myself having grown up 
you know, now with all this land and stuff, it's, I'm financially fairly comfortable, but um, most of my life that has not been true. And I really just kind of value the, the people that can lead a good life without much for a lot of reasons, for social justice, environmental reasons, and just flat out freedom, quality of lifestyle, you know, that ability to make, um, make an exciting, meaningful, purposeful life without needing, needing to go earn money is a skill that I really admire. And most of the people I really admire are good at that. And uh, so not only am I trying to make it accessible to, to young people, but I'm also trying to model that a little myself um, and trying to kind of teach it by having adventures, you know, where uh, we don't do any adventures like sign up for a whitewater rafting trip. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, that's easy to do. And a lot of people do them and it's fun. You know, I love, <laughs> I love going on, on rivers and I've done a lot of it in my life, but, and it's easy to have fun while you're going on rivers, but um, it doesn't really teach people how to do it when you don't have a lot of free time and money. And, <laughs> and I'm more interested in how can we make this, what would normally be a, not very exciting thing like we're going to go to the store and buy food and come back and eat a meal how can we turn that into something that's memorable that we're never going to forget you know and so and so the, the the adventure that's okay we're gonna float down the irrigation ditch with nobody seeing us with all of our shopping bags and then we're going to creep through this yard and get pictures of people's um you know dogs without them seeing us and then we're going to go shopping and then we're going <laughs> to you know do something else to get back and then we're going to cook it in an interesting way and all of a sudden we just take in what could be very forgettable and making it very um you know just great and that's that's how i want to lead my life in, in doing things um that yeah, I, I'm repeating myself. Stuff that feels it feels interesting. So we we focus on that kind of adventure a lot more. Um, we'll just stop on the, the bus in random towns and be like, here's the challenge. You know, you're gonna go meet a stranger and try to find out what they're passionate about. And then we're gonna find a place to sleep in the middle of town with with no money and not and but be safe. And then you're gonna find food. And then we're going to put on a party for everyone in this town. And we got to get at least 40 people to come to the party. And that kind of thing is what excites me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what, what kinds of students are, are attracted to this or like who, who, where are they coming from? And, and more importantly, like, what do they, what do they, what do they, what do you find that they're seeking? Um, well, it's diverse, but I would say we get some people who just want an affordable adventure with a group of people, but I would say more often we get the people that feel like the 
often they're not able to articulate why, but they feel like they look around at the world, at their parents, their school, whatever, and think this path that I'm on, I see where it's going and it just doesn't feel quite right. And I want, I want something a little different than that. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I suspect it's possible to live a little more fully than what I see out there in the world. And so we get a lot of people who are um, questioning people that are uh, kind of let's start the revolution type people. Um, and we egg them on, you know, we're trying to <laughs> secretly promote revolutions within the program all the time. Uh, Cause that's when the cool things start to happen is when people get discontent enough to take initiative themselves. Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> so there, there is, um, there's an international dimension to some of what you're doing. Is that right? You take people into Mexico and Guatemala. Um, can you talk about that? We do have um, an international part. There's, I've been taking, there's a little, I used to do programs way, way back when focused on the Colorado River. And we would start, you know, between Colorado and go all the way down to the mouth of where the river used to empty in the ocean. And now it's just a big dry mud flat mostly. And um, down there, kind of the last drops of the Colorado River being used, there's a little dirt street communal ejido that is uh, where I made a lot of friends. And I've been going back to the same place almost every winter with students in tow for over 30 years. Huh. And and it's it's meaningful to me because there are it's the same river and we're so interdependent and you know every time we flush a toilet here in colorado it's going to those people down there and every there the food they're growing is in our safeways and um and so we're very very seems very culturally different but also we're so intertwined and just to follow that river up and down and tell the stories, it's all become kind of all feels like home to me. And so I do that a lot. We have done the Guatemala thing um, a number of times. When we do that, we travel overland down to Guatemala and back, which is a saga, uh, often on second class buses. Um, just because I like it's a whole different experience when you travel that way than in an airplane. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm moving away from the international stuff, kind of part. Um, I really like the more local things. I like that it's less resources. It costs less. I feel like more, I have more to offer. Um, and the international stuff, I feel more like I'm just kind of a tour guide. I mean, you're trying to hook people up to local people, but I feel, I feel like that's just not my calling as much. We are offering, we've got some local friends who are some amazing people who are spending the winter in a remote Northern part of India and invite us to integrate that as part of their program. And so we're working on that. So there is going to be some international stuff, but it's not my main focus. It's more just when it sounds fun or it, yeah. Yeah. 
but is it it seems like from your website you you have some 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 partners or some some other like programs in other parts of the world that you're connecting students with a bit we do um we've had um many many years our gap year program has been a whole year and we're all together in the fall and then we have people go off and do independent internships and we try to figure out ways that they can do that without spending much money sometimes earning money and we have just various connections that we have helped hook people up with in in spain and thailand and australia um so so that is just an option that we can help facilitate something I really, I try to encourage the people that show up here, you know, once they've through, one of the goals of this program is that they never feel like they need to sign up for another program, <laughs> um, <laughs> the money to get the kind of, uh, experience that they want. Um, not that programs are, are bad, but you know, once you are comfortable traveling and comfortable creating your own community and comfortable meeting people, you really don't need a program and so we're trying to get people to that place mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a you know an education it's a real like the liberal arts right how can you be autonomous and how to to be a uh, self-organizing human being right um so that seems like a noble goal yeah so yeah i mean but i think my experience is that you bring a young person especially if they're from a very you know conventional background or you know they haven't had a lot of um, autonomous learning you bring them into uh, you know a community you know a transformative experience of all the kinds that you've been talking about um the transition out of that also is something that can be tricky right people you know some people stay people come back people are you know how do you prepare people um to to transition on to whatever they're going to do afterwards or do you have any observations about that i've become less of an idealist over the years in that arena i i used to think that you know we'd expose expose people to these things and then you know they're thriving and so happy and then their life was going to be forever different uh, the truth is that often you're setting people up for a really hard time uh <laughs> You know, people get introduced to this, uh, a way of living that feels uh, inspiring and magical and sometimes improvisational almost. And then, um, and then they go back and they're trying to figure out how to integrate that into their families and their, and their, their other world. And it's tough. Um and most people struggle, you know, this reunion I told you about that we just had, they were three years down the line and everybody, we all sat and listened to each other's stories and kind of a universal theme was it brought a lot of stuff up and it was tough for a, a year. And, but I had this vision of what was possible and I, I, it mattered to me and I persevered and I, now I'm in a pretty cool place and I'm doing really interesting things that I never would have foreseen before. Um, and I've, you know, found peace with my family. I'm getting along better with them than I used to and this and that, but it's, uh, it's a lot. So how do we prepare people for that? I think, um, 
I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to do that better. That what I discovered is I just try to be honest, try to admit that it's going to be hard. Try to, we practice a lot. We do a lot of, a lot of communication skills, a lot of let's, let's role play something that happens in your family and see if we can figure out 10 other options that you haven't thought of yet. And, and, um, we we practice being okay not being okay um you know with with things not being as ideal how you would like them still finding a internal compass and purpose and and sense of balance uh just to kind of embolden and give people a little more uh resources to be able to go back into other environments and and create those things because, you know, people think of community as, oh, you need to find a bunch of idealistic people and buy land together and create this external situation so you can have community. But, but really it's not that, you know, that it's, it's an internal thing. It's, you got community everywhere around you all the time. And the question is, can you interface with it? Can you connect with it? Um, and can you be filled full, filled up by it, even when you don't agree on everything and, and et cetera. And so we're just trying to talk about that and practice it. And yeah, and, you know, it's definitely something I wanted to ask about. I mean, you're, you're building, you know, in a program like this, like the one that we're doing and the ones that you're doing, you're building kind of a, kind of a pop-up, you know, community, right? An intentional community of, of people who are going to be together for, for a few months at a time. Um, they're, mm -hmm. they're young people. They're also interacting with the, with their neighbors and with, with the, the kind of, you know, the people who are leading the program. Um, what, how do you do that? How do you, how do you move a bunch of strangers into the context where they, they can function quickly as a, as a, as a community and recognizing what you just said there about how, you know, that is, it's not, everyone is going to be perfectly aligned from day one forever yeah um well you know we try to surround them with people who are really good at it and and that just can can open the doors of how it's possible to be and um and so You know, the standard group development, you're, everyone comes together and everyone's trying to look like a wonderful person and share all their strengths and all those kind of things. And and sometime down the line, you know, if and we're doing regular check-ins and things, somebody will be real and authentic and vulnerable. And then other people notice that and say, oh, that's possible. And then a little while later, it's two or three people. And so we're seeding that by bringing in, you know, having people in that group that we know are going to be real and authentic and loving and, and, uh, and, and that speeds it along a lot. We, we do, we have these simple, simple things we talk about, like the concept of saying yes or no to something. Um, and we're encouraging people to say either yes or no, but not, I guess I have to, or I should, or those kind of things. And so 
right away in the first week, we're setting up situations where we're encouraging them to say no to staff. Um, because we're like, you can't really say yes. Yes doesn't mean anything until you can say no. And, and it's hard to say no, especially to authority. And, and so there are not many young people who are encouraged by authority to say no to authority. Then that generally gets their attention. Um, and, and how so, do you do that? How do you encourage them to say no? Um, we'll say, okay. Uh, we got a bunch of chores to do. Um, and uh, first thing we want, you're either going to be enthusiastically yes about this or you're going to say no. And if if you're a person that thinks that everybody who says no is a non-contributing loser, you need to actually go and be in the no category for a week. Um, and, and so we're we're... We're just <laughs> practicing that. Like we dare you, you know, we dare you to stand up and put your put your name in the no, I'm not doing chores this week category and and own it and be proud of it. If you're the kind of person where that's hard for you. So for others, it's hard to say yes. And so um, you know, there's a lot of individual conversations that are going on. Um so and we're talking about consent a lot. We're we're just kind of naming these things that um, that are often everybody kind of feels them, but people don't talk about them very much. Um, um, and do they say no? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's tough. Uh, different <laughs> people do it on different speeds in different ways, and um, you know, and often. I'm the same age as most of their dads, sometimes even their grandpas these days. And so they're, you know, we're, we're healing and working through issues with parents and in my relationship with them and, and, and just talking about that too. You know, I represent an older white authority male here who is, and um, let's just acknowledge that yeah. and brings <laughs> up stuff and, and, let's talk about how it affects us and so yeah there are aspects of what you're saying you know and, and, and earlier as well that this is I mean, are these experiences therapeutic experiences and is that a is that a useful lens in which to 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 frame these programs that we're doing that this is this is has a therapeutic function dealing with 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 wounds from from past experiences or yeah i think absolutely I mean, we don't advertise it ourselves as a therapeutic program uh, just because that brings up different associations. Although we have people that come out of, um, you know, a kind of a hardcore therapeutic program and then they come to us and and they're like, you're doing all the same things except you do it with a sense of freedom. Um, but it, the the truth is that most of us most of the students that come in and we we staff too are our obstacles are are often traumas and 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 we're healing from stuff and and so we're doing all these crazy challenges but all it is is a a mirror a, just a, a way to 
to, you know, it's a different pose to try to breathe in. If you use a yoga analogy, it's like, okay, we're trying to, we're doing this thing that's kind of scary and whatever and interesting and fun. And we're climbing this canyon and looking for Pueblo ruins, but also we're really, it's going to bring up stuff maybe. And that's cool. When it does, let's get excited because the real stuff's happening. Yeah. Yeah, welcoming it—that's really important, I find. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've talked a lot about about your 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 human context there, and uh, and you know the the your your adventures as a group, and um, but you are, yeah, you're there in in a really beautiful part of the world, and uh, you you go you go out into the canyons and into the mountains, and can you talk about what is what is that context, the the natural environment of that place, bring into these processes that we're talking about uh, about the therapeutic and the kind of this developing a sense of freedom that you were talking about. It's, I think it's a really important aspect to it. And it's one of those things that when you talk about it, you just, it's, I I almost just laugh at myself because it's hard to, hard to talk about it. You start using all these kind of spiritual sounding words that don't really mean very much sometimes. (laughs) Um, but I think a lot of times what it seems like we're creating is is space, uh, time away from all the things that we think we need. So much of our world now is it's all human created, you know, some most of what are thoughts are about our attention is on our connections everything is is human centric and and so when we're out on in a backpack group and there's just three of us sitting around a fire all night you know because maybe we purposely left our sleeping bag somewhere else and so we're (laughs) sitting around a fire all night kind of hungry and um because we're eating uh you know some lizards we found and (laughs) And it creates this whole kind of space for a different kind of connection and a different stillness and um, that normally exists. And, and, and in, into that, I think people get, get to see them, the part of themselves that's an important part of themselves that's not kind of a in the head story or a you know, reaction, emotional something, but it's a deeper and profound connected thing that's always there. You know, it's the, when people hit rock bottom and they talk about all the things I thought I was, you know, I thought I was good at this. I thought I was a good worker and a good husband and a good dad and a this and a that. And then, you know, I, I got divorced and this happened and I lost my job and broke my leg and whatever. And all, you know, this I'm speaking from personal experience on a lot of this and all that goes away. And you're left with that, that sense of who am I, who am I without all those things? Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to verbalize that because it's more of a, a feeling there's, there's something in there that matters. And I think being out in the natural world and being with people who are, often out in the natural world and in kind of in touch with that a little more is 
is uh, offers a sense of internal, you know, where one of the things trying to do is, is grow an internal sense of safety, a sense that I'm okay. All that, a lot of these things that feel so, like there's so much pressure of what, what am I going to be when I grow up and what am I doing and this and that. And, and really in the big picture, maybe a lot of that really doesn't matter very much. <laughs> and, and there's something else that's bigger that's going to be with you and it, you're going to be okay no matter what you're doing. And it's, it's more of a, how, how am I going to be, how am I going to, um, and so we don't talk about that stuff a lot, but we try to create space for it. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different uh, thoughts occur around a campfire or in a, in a, in a place that you've, you've traveled through on foot or on, on, on land or on, on a boat in some way. Yeah. With a group. And it's such an empowering thing. I mean, you know, on mostly enlightening in people that you've met that are these enlightened, thriving people. They have a similar story. Well, after I hit this rock bottom, I realized yeah. <laughs> none of those earthly things mattered very much and they caused all my suffering. And if I just trust on this internal feeling thing that I don't know that has lots of names, then my whole world opened up, you know, so it's. Yeah, the, the, a lot of what you're saying is pointing you know, to this, you know, the, the sense of, um, you know, crisis, that rock bottom, that moment of, 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 you know, a sense of something that didn't work out, it failed, it didn't, it, it broke down. Um, I wasn't able to meet that challenge. Like those are, those are the crucial growth moments, right? Those are. Yeah. And, and I think I certainly um, sense that part of what but what, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do here is create a context in which you can have those experiences in a way that they're welcomed, right? I think that's what you're saying as well. Exactly. Yeah. I actually gave a talk with Blake Bowles at the at the uh, Gap Year Association meetings um, a couple months ago, and we entitled our, our talk uh, Improvised Curriculum. And nice. we're just talking about the the importance of 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 the these skills, the skills of improv, really, of to be able to say yes and and build on things and and create a reality out of some new moving thing, and and just how important that seemed to life. And noting how most of what we do as program directors and things actually not only doesn't teach those things it actually inhibits them <laughs> that you know you're, you're trying to create some program where everyone can always be happy and in the minute that something doesn't go well you try to you either shut it down or you try to fix it or it's um there's a lot of incentive it doesn't feel very good you don't want unhappy people on your program yeah and so, it's it's a real challenge to it takes a lot of courage to make that big bigger and invite it in and explore it and um and you got to be willing to be surprised <laughs> and, and you you got to have a program where you you aren't absolutely you, you didn't already pay for the thing that you're doing tomorrow and you're committed and you got to get everyone to do that thing or else it all falls apart you know you you if you really want participants to be able to co-create and 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 practice these things, 
you got to set it up so that it might not work and you might have moments of failure and um and that's not that's not a business model that leads to you know the insurance company doesn't want to hear that <laughs> the parents don't want to hear that um nobody wants to hear that some failures might happen along the way and it might feel bad and um and there are a lot of things pushing against it but i it feels important to me yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's uh I mean, I think back to my own education involved, you know, a lot of these types of experiences with small organizations that were being improvised, you know, in a way that put young people in positions of decision making or, or, or which were just young and being formed. And I certainly feel like um, watching people that I respected, admired, you know, um, people who were older than me, um, like not know what they were doing <laughs> or like figuring it on the fly and, uh, you know, trying something that didn't work out and then trying it again was one of the most powerful, like impactful things that I got to experience as, as a student and as much as possible, try to, yeah, try to keep that as an aspect of, of, of programs that, that, that are being, you know, that we're running here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that a different world? If you have a staff who is doing something for the first time as well and <laughs> doing it with students watching and being transparent about that, but maybe as, is able to thrive in that situation and versus a staff who has a, this is what we need to get everybody to do. And, uh, you know, and, and here's the lesson everyone has to learn right now. Um, it's a, a completely different environment, but it's, it's, it's subtle and it's really easy in all my habits that I've developed over the years to to be to create those situations where I'm trying to coerce students into doing what I want them to do, which most of those students have already experienced that for 19 years of their life and right. and are ready for something. They're looking for something a different option. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That that's really powerful. Yeah. You mentioned insurance a couple minutes ago, and that you know, again, a perusal of your website will 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 bring up some really remarkable things about insurance that you you think about differently in a way. Um, and uh, you know, the insurance business is is, is a huge one, and uh, it is I think I've seen it over and over again impede education. Right, mm -hmm. it, excellent ideas, totally enriching things, things that would that would be um, powerfully transformative are stopped and not done or not considered because of some sense of insurance so would you would you care to share your thinking about about liability insurance at all <laughs> well okay well the short of it is we don't have any <laughs> most people consider us very stupid uh <laughs> because of that you know i i used to say well i don't own anything so sue me you know <laughs> oh well but now i do own quite a bit of stuff and and so you know there's there's risk there. Um, and at the same time, it just irks me. It just irks me that so much money goes to the insurance company to protect us from each other, you know, and, uh, and I'd, I'd rather be on your team if something happens and be helping out. And, you know, if you break your leg, I want to make you soup and take you home rather than be suing each other. And, and, and so I just kind of refuse to participate 
Um, not only that, but a lot of the things, you know, if you look at our website, it talks about things that we do. And I'm, I'm purposely trying to be transparent about it because I want to scare away all the parents who have issues with these things. So we talk about things like, yeah, we dumpster dive and we go skinny dipping and we do this and we do that. And, 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 you know, there's been times where I'm like, let's just get insurance and stop worrying about it. And I looked into it. And the first thing they do is they look at our website and say, you got to take all this stuff off. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, which means either we don't do it or we pretend that we're not doing it or something. And, um, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not you know, it, it allows us to offer cheaper programs. It allows me to feel like I'm a little bit in my, my integrity, mm -hmm. but I'm also, um, you know, we like to go backpacking on public land in the West here. The public lands is one of the, the best resources and it's just magical to go out on public lands. Um, to do it legally, you need to have insurance. Mm -hmm. And so we're often like pretending we're a private group, which doesn't feel very good when you meet some backcountry ranger and you're like, yeah, we're just some friends and they look at you and they kind of know you're not. And, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. uncomfortable. It's, it's, um, I would rather not have to deal with that. And, you know, and, and I do want, if somebody gets hurt bad, I want them to be covered and able to go to the hospital and all that. So we're, you know, I'm also promoting that everyone have their own health insurance. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I think of that as a little different than liability insurance, but there's mm -hmm. been people that have argued with that and pointed out and said, you know, you should allow people to sue you and get lots of money if something happens to them. That's so I, I, I don't really know what's right. I just know that I can't get myself to go out and, and do it in the same way I can't get myself to go out and buy a new car. Um, and um, and so far it's worked. You know, I've been had this approach for a long time and I've gotten away with it. And every time I come home from a trip, I'm just like, you know, thank you. We had another we had another time that that everyone got something out of it and nothing really bad happened. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that, that you're doing this and that you're so transparent about it and the way that you talk about it, because it certainly is, I, I, you know, it is irksome every time that I look at it too. I mean, we, we, we have liability insurance right now and you look at it carefully and you realize how little it actually, how many exceptions there are to things actually in the policy um, and just how much, you know, it, it is, it is, uh, you know, trying to, to live in a thrifty way, thinking about our, our people and our local economy. It's one of these things that just is leaving, you know, mm -hmm. our community in a way without having a, it really feels like a penny positive impact. And all that improv improvisational learning and stuff, it's very tough to figure out how to do that with an insurance policy. Right. And they're like, okay, what are you going to be doing? I can't tell you yet. Yeah, we're um, figure it out. Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna be on a river because we need a special policy for that? And you're like, well, we're not gonna go on a river like most people would in a kayak or a raft, but we might float with inner tubes. 
or an old raft we make down the river. And, and they're like, well, you know, are you going to have a certified guide with you? Um, no, <laughs> well, can't insure it. Can't, you know, and it's, it just, it's so sad to take away all those things. It's what it means to be, you know, that's uh, no 18 year old should have those options taken away from them. Yeah. Um, so. Yep. Yeah. So I, um, I, again, it's, it's, uh, something that, that stands out as something that, that is, I find impressive. So thank you for doing it, <laughs> taking that, that risk <laughs> and telling us about it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it continues to work out. Um, yeah. So we're coming up to, to the end of our hour here. Um, and yeah, I, I'm wondering, um, yeah, if you, you have, you know, any advice for, for a young person out there, I mean, as you mentioned, people come in a lot of different places. Maybe they're graduating from high school. Maybe they're graduating from college. Maybe they have, you know, they haven't gone to school in this phase yet. Um, do you have a, you know, what would you say to a young person who's who's like who's thinking about what to do next in general? <laughs> uh, my standard advice these days is don't even try to answer the question. You don't. You don't <laughs> know enough. And when you experience something that feels right, you will know it. And until then, get a different job every three months, move, try different things, um, try different people. It's okay. You don't need to have the answer. You can make a good cover story if you need to tell people. But but really, um, you know, focus more on how you want to be than what you want to do. Um, you don't really have control over that in truth, a lot of the time anyway, and, uh, you do have control over how you react to what the world presents you with and trying to figure out this abstract stuff and be like, am I going to be happier if I'm a, you know, a, a nurse or a plumber and trying to imagine it when you've never done either one, it's just, you drive yourself crazy. Um, yes, I know all the adults that want you to figure it out, but don't listen to them. You can change careers anytime you want. Chill, trust yourself. <laughs> you're not going to starve if you're inventive. You're going to be okay. Don't go into debt. <laughs> awesome. That's excellent advice. Um, thank you so much, Deb, for, for taking the time with us. Good luck with your new semester starting tomorrow and, uh, keep up the good work. A pleasure. And, uh, I hope to continue the conversation. <laughs>